Hello, my name's Evie and I'm here to have an honest discussion about all things sex, mental health and self-love with some amazing people I've met through Instagram. Most Fridays, unless I'm going out for a drink, join me for a good old chat on everything surrounding sex and your body with some of the best in the sex positive community. Welcome to History the Best, a conversation with Danielle from Sex Ed with DB discussing American sex ed. Hello, how are you? Hello, I am so good. Thank you so much for having me. I really yeah, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, so do you want to um, you know, jump straight in? Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure, I'd love to. So I would say that I'm Danielle, DB, DBez. Those are all my nicknames, <laughs> pretty much Dan. Some people call me Dan. Um, I would say that I'm a cis woman, mostly straight, Jewish, mm-hmm. half Afghani, American. Um, I'm an educator, a performer, a singer, a content creator, and a podcast host and showrunner. And wow. just in terms of, <laughs> yeah, the, a lot of hats um, in mm-hmm. terms of like what I like to do for fun. I just not during COVID times. I love to travel. Um, Huge fan of chocolate, big chocolate eater. Mm, Same. (laughs) Amazing. Really. It's Mm. always a good pick me up, I find. Yes. Um, And and yeah, I I love to spend time with my partner and my cat, Ruby. Oh, love it. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. We were just saying before, weren't we? Like how we've both kind of been admiring each other's Instagrams from a distance, but yeah, and your podcast and yeah, your TikTok, like, your TikTok videos are great. I'm, I'm still getting trying to get the hang of it. I'm still Thank with you. the videos and of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it took a lot of help and support from our amazing social media intern that we had this summer, Leslie oh, Lopez. No. Um, you know, I feel like when you get the younger generation involved, when they like know what they're doing a bit more, um, it was very helpful in getting our TikTok off the ground. So thank mm. you. And yes, I really, really love your graphics. And oh, I just think you. they're so fun and bright. And I just, uh, I love the information and I just think they're excellent. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it definitely, it's, it actually started because of COVID. So I guess that is a good thing. I was just so bored and I was like, I'm going to draw. I need something to focus on. I was like, I love sex. I love learning about sex. Amazing. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. So what made you um start your podcast and your, well, everything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So pretty much I have like two different like sects of how I answer this question. One, mm-hmm. my mom is an OBGYN. So she oh. very much, you know, I grew up with this in this thing in mind of how important women's health and mm. sexuality were and how important it was to ask questions and be really open um, mm-hmm. about most topics. There were some things, you know, where no one's perfect. She's not a perfect parent, but mm-hmm. I think for the most part, she created a space that felt comfortable for me mostly, even if I was nervous or it wasn't exactly the right tone. I think she mm-hmm. did a really good job at figuring out how I can approach her when it comes to certain sex topics. So mm-hmm. I would say that's part of it. And then another part of it, I would say, comes from this story when I was in Israel um, teaching Uh English for a year after I graduated from college. And I was there with my teaching cohort and we were on a uh, field trip at this Mm -hmm. really religious community in Jerusalem called the Community of the Bells. And there was a main rabbi there who was kind of like showing us around. And he was like, this, this is my space. And these are my traditions. And these are my customs. And he kind of offhandedly mentioned that he had, um, you know, something like six daughters. And when all of his daughters uh, turned 17, they would be married off by the matchmaker and they would learn about sex on their wedding night when they had it for the first time. 
And he was pretty, he just said all that in like one foul swoop. And I was just like, what the, what the fuck? Like, is no one else going to say anything here? And I kind of raised my hand and, you know, I was like 21 or something at the time. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, Hey, like, what about what they want? Like, what, what about like, if they're, you know, not ready to be Mm -hmm. moms or what if they need more education than that before they get married? And he kind of like, you know, gave me this, like, who cares about what you're saying? Kind of like hand Mm -hmm. motion and Mm -hmm. uh, said, well, that's just how it goes. And so from that moment, I kind of was like, wow, I like really want to do something with my life that is the antithesis of what this person Mm -hmm. is saying. I really don't think that's just how it goes. I think that like, we need to be intentional about teaching Mm -hmm. young people about their bodies, about sex, about relationships, about consent, about so many things that Mm -hmm. clearly this person in this community was not giving his kids access to. And I think it was a microcosm of what is going on in so many places around the world and not just in Israel. So especially, you know, I live in Brooklyn and there are definitely um, also Jewish religious communities here. But other than that, there are still people in our own backyard who don't have access to the sex education that they need. So that's kind of my like origin story. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, we forget because we come from like such privilege, right? Yeah. Well, I always see on Instagram as well. I forget from being on it all the time. It's actually not normal always to be so open about stuff. And yeah, right. I think, yeah, there's, it's, there, we've still got a long way to come. Totally. Yeah. Mm. So um, many of people I speak to from the US, they say that abstinence is at the forefront or when they were growing up, abstinence was the forefront of their education. Um, is this, how true is this? Like, Yeah, so, so, in terms of abstinence, when people are growing up, so there's this amazing yeah. organization called Guttmacher, the Guttmacher okay. Institute, and they have amazing relevant up-to-date statistics on all yeah. of the states in the U.S., kind of what they require, what they stress. And as of, uh, I believe it was this month is their latest uh-huh. statistic, January 2021, 29 U.S. states require that abstinence is stressed in sex education. Wow. And a lot of these states are in the South and in the Midwest, but there are also Mm -hmm. states that you wouldn't really expect, like New York, where I live. Abstinence is technically stressed here Mm -hmm. in statewide and also places like Oregon on the West Coast. So it really depends on also the state, the type of school, public versus private education is very different. Mm -hmm. And again, like uh, depends on the neighborhood, really depends on where you are. It also depends on your teachers. If you have a teacher who's really willing to go above and beyond and go past Mm -hmm. that abstinence education, then you're really lucky as a kid to receive that. But it is quite random when it comes to Mm -hmm. who gets taught what. And like I mentioned, states in the South and the Midwest, and especially the states where abstinence isn't only stressed, but required, those young people absolutely don't get the kind of sex education that they deserve Mm, I think it's actually quite similar in the UK then because with private education they don't have to um they do have to now give sex education but they can still stress on abstinence Mm -hmm. and I think yeah it it really does depend on the teacher because often I'm pretty sure it's similar where you are that it's done by the normal teachers or like the PE teachers or sports and then yeah it depends if they're into it and if they're not I love them get embarrassed as well so it's like mm-hmm. quickly do it and done so yeah really it, there's so much stress on who you have on that day it's, mm-hmm. it's how yeah, it really going to be for the rest of your life it, it yeah. totally does mm, yeah scary <laughs> it's terrifying 
Mm, yeah. So what do you wish that you um, learned during your sex ed? Was your sex ed? Yeah. How was your sex ed growing up? Yeah, it was. Obviously, it's probably um, quite good with your mom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was great that I, that I had her. Mm-hmm. I would say that a majority of my sex ed was really about STIs and like how mm-hmm. to prevent them. So it really was like, oh, look at these like scary pictures of STIs. And like, I do remember my friend also named Danielle. Um, she had, we each were assigned like a different STI that we were going to mm-hmm. do a, a poster board presentation mm-hmm. on. And she was assigned crabs. And I remember <laughs> so vividly, this is from middle school and I'm 28 years old. So clearly like this stuck if it was like over 15 yeah. years ago this project but she had this really fun poster board where there was like yarn all over the place and like (laughs) cut out like bugs that she like put all over the yarn I just thought it was so funny and the fact that my health teacher was like yeah sure you could like that's cool you could present that I thought that was funny but nonetheless that is pretty much what my sex ed was or what I remember about it I'm Mm -hmm. sure there was some gender stuff there's probably some other stuff around alcohol and drugs and how not to Mm -hmm. use them but I would say like a majority of it was not like comprehensive it was not Mm -hmm. inclusive it was not pleasure focused so in terms of what I wish I learned I have a whole I have a whole list here I (laughs) wish I learned a ton and Mm -hmm. I would say I wish I learned about pleasure the clitoris masturbation consent Mm -hmm healthy relationships, negotiation, different kinds of relationships, like open relationships and polyamory. Mm -hmm. I wish that my sex ed was LGBTQ inclusive, um, shared, you know, sexual orientation and gender spectrums. I wish that we learned about reproductive justice and the history of the fact that people in positions of medical power use black people and people of color and indigenous folks in reproductive experiments um, when it comes Mm. to birth control and other surgeries, when it comes to reproductive health. Um, I wish that I learned how to live with and manage STIs and the importance of destigmatizing them. Um, Anal sex, lube, mental health, how Mm. birth control worked, um, destigmatizing and managing periods, sex ed in the media, porn literacy, sex and disability and so so much more this is just like a short list yeah composed, everything I'm you know? just screaming in my head yes it's just yeah. like there's so little we learn and yeah like you say before it's it's all fear-based right like STIs look at this horrible picture you this is what will happen it's exactly. not like oh you can actually enjoy sex by the way Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally uh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's the main fucking point of sex I mean <laughs> a lot of people have sex in order to have children and I think that's great but a lot of people don't have sex in order to have mm-hmm. children and so figuring out how to pleasure yourself and pleasure another person and have another person pleasure you if that's something that you're interested in is so mm-hmm. important and how of course you can only really learn that by experimentation but you can be taught a lot before that happens yeah mm. sounds like we had quite similar sex on the look of it <laughs> yeah. yeah what a bummer mm, mm. so my other question was going to be was your education lgbtq friendly but by the sound it wasn't do you know yeah. if it is now in the u.s you know it, again it really depends on the depends, state yeah. i would say because there are the guttmacher institute that i was telling you about on their website mm-hmm. they do have a specific number of I think it's something like six states require negative information on homosexuality, which is like, okay, that's clearly anti-LGBTQ, but 
in terms mm. of my own sex education, I wouldn't say it was anti, but it wasn't inclusive. So like, mm. you know, like I said, it was mostly about STIs and alcohol and drugs. And there wasn't really conversation about like, oh, here's the, you know, gender and sexuality spectrum. Here mm. is what like same sex practices could look like, how to be safe during same sex practices, same sex relationships. Mm. Like it didn't have anything of that nature. So by that definition, I would say it wasn't LGBTQ inclusive. Mm. I think because also it's very like medical the way, well, I was anyway, it's all videos of like the sperm meets the egg or like it's exactly. all penetration. Yeah, just it's not inclusive. Biology, basically. Mm. Yeah, rather than something that you can enjoy and get great pleasure from. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. I forget when I'm like, oh, US sex ed, but I forget US is like, loads of states compared to the UK it's like loads of different mini UKs rather than you have a one rule mm-hmm. but yeah what would you um what is the minimum students have to be taught regarding sex ed currently uh, do you teach any sex ed yourself so I did teach a little bit of sex ed in while I was in grad school I was working mm-hmm. with a local middle school and taught some sex ed there for a semester nice. but mm-hmm. as this really does depend on the state I have some really fun uh, and very sad statistics <laughs> that I can share for you All so right. only so according to the Guttmacher Institute only 17 out of, and again there are 50 states only <laughs> 17 out of 50 states require program content to be medically accurate so that means that wow. 33 states technically are allowed to teach things that are not medically accurate. (laughs) 19 states require instruction on the importance of engaging in sexual activity only within marriage. So that's like, oh, you can have sex when you're married. Uh, Only 19 states require inclusion of information on condoms or contraception. And only nine states require the importance of consent to be covered. So- Yeah, so that to me says that- (laughs) the minimum is terrible (laughs) and we really need to like not even half basically of these states are teaching the appropriate content from a sex educator's point of view and so that really needs to change and I Mm -hmm. I feel like while states can be teaching the intricacies of sex education the way in which that they want there does need to be a federal mandate that says sex education must be taught, you know, with inclusive language when it comes to Mm -hmm. LGBTQ folks must be focused on pleasure and healthy relationships and consent. There are a lot of things that need to be included Mm -hmm. in that federal mandate, but right now it does not exist. Mm. Do you know how many um, lessons they, or how many hours they have to have for most states? Or is it, because I know for us, it's not many, it's not many lessons at all. And I think yeah. that might be half the problem. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't remember exactly if there's a there's information on how many hours, mm. but if I had to guess, I would say that it's less than 10, less than 10 hours. Yeah. Wow. Um for some states. I do think that some middle schools have sex ed for, you know, a full year in health class, or mm-hmm. on the o- opposite side of the spectrum, some classes only get like three standalone sex education lessons and that's it Mm. like throughout their entire middle school and high school experience so it's really dependent but it's pretty bad it's horrific yeah and you think about the amount of classes they all do like of course it's going to stick in your mind more than like if you've done maths but (laughs) yeah it's just yeah not enough at all Mm -hmm. especially when it's like oh it just makes me so angry because it affects so much of your life like 
a lot of us will be having sex a lot like throughout our whole life compared to algebra <laughs> yes i am terrible but, yeah. at math and, mm, oh my goodness uh, I, uh, you know <laughs> yeah i wish i was better but not the end of the world I, we have other skills but yeah, yeah the, the thing i love about sex education is that it really does permeate through every aspect of your life even if you're not a sexually mm-hmm. active person or you're you know if you're asexual or if you're someone who doesn't engage in relationships even just thinking about the topics that sex education has about yourself, about mental health, about friendships, about boundaries, about really understanding yeah. like who you are and what your goals are. If you do want a family one day, or if you don't want a family one day, there are things about your, your period and your pleasure. There are so many different ways to engage with sex education. And that's why I think it's such a powerful set of lessons and tools and information that comes along with it because it really can improve every aspect of your life as a young person all the way through your adulthood yeah because when we learn it at primary school which would be more of like not teenagers yet so more children middle school and yeah middle school yeah that's it and um they it's all, it's all more just about yeah like morals just treating people nice and treating people with respect and that's exactly. what I really like about because consent that can be applied it's not sexual at all it can be applied to everything and yeah like you say it's just so important mm. agreed yeah yeah well um we have some questions from my Instagram followers Great. um oh actually no I hold on I have a question that I just thought of. Yeah, <laughs> um, please. with so with um our sex ed when we learn about periods the boys and girls are split up and the boys don't learn about it is that the same mm-hmm. in America it is mostly the same I think that mm-hmm. this is changing a little bit in like more progressive mm-hmm. schools but for the most part at least when I was a kid that is what happened the boys yeah. when I think and learn about wet dreams or something else and then the girls mm-hmm. go ahead and learn about periods and pads and tampons and it really mm-hmm. is like a one-off lesson like I don't remember yeah. I think that happened for us in fifth grade which is technically in elementary school for us mm-hmm. um so yeah that that definitely happened and I do think that still happens in most schools today mm-hmm. yeah it's just so, I do think if they weren't split up it, it just oh, the stigma it'd just be so <laughs> yeah yeah nightmare well we had lots of people reply so I will jump in um the first one we had is what age do kids start learning about sex ed in America in general? Yeah, because I guess it's different in each state, maybe. Yeah, I would say mm-hmm. mostly in middle school, but mm-hmm. that, so maybe like, around, so like period stuff and like other kind of mm-hmm. like basics maybe happen in fifth grade. And then most people like, oh, they don't really like learn about sex ed again until like seventh or eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And then if you're lucky, you might have sex ed again in high school. I never had sex ed again in high school. It really happened mm-hmm. for me only in middle school. Really? Yeah. So we had health class and stuff, but not focused mm-hmm. sex education units besides in middle school. So is that at high school, is that optional for everybody or is that some states yeah. do you have to have it? Yeah. I think it, again, it depends on the school, but those mm-hmm. that allow students to opt out that's another like statistic that you can find in the Guttmacher Institute website but I yeah I think I think it, <laughs> yeah I think it I think it really depends on on the school yeah yeah well the next one is is it is American sex ed like mean girls with coach car <laughs> I think that the reason why coach car that scene 
really resonates with so many people mm-hmm. and that movie is like I don't know something like almost 15 years old I don't know it's yeah. <laughs> because it is true that gym teachers do teach a lot of sex ed mm-hmm. or are the main source of sex ed for students in schools and I would say that of course it's a bit dramatized when he says you know you will get pregnant and die but at the same time <laughs> I love that as, quote. <laughs> we, as we shared like if most schools or most states rather are stressing abstinence, then I wouldn't Mm -hmm. doubt that that is in some folks who are teaching this curriculum. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that that's in their vocabulary of maybe not you will die, but you, it is sinful. It is shameful. You Mm -hmm. um, are having sex before marriage and that is wrong. That is incorrect. You are not worthy. You know, all these things definitely do happen. And so I Mm -hmm. think that while it, is made to be silly and for a dramatic effect. The reason mm. why it's so funny is because there is an element of truth. In yeah, it. yeah. I think even in the UK, to be fair, like, yeah, <laughs> like, and some of them they just really don't want to be explaining it. So like, just don't do this, don't do that. Right? That's exactly. It. Done. Yeah. And then at the end, he's like, "All right, everyone, take some rubbers. Like, here, take the condoms yeah. anyway." Which at least, like, that to be fair, like, at least he's providing condoms. Mm. I really don't think yeah. that that's a norm in all middle schools and high schools. I really no. Is that a norm in the UK in a lot of schools? Uh, yeah, I think so. Not at it'll be more sixth form, so like sixteen, seventeen. Okay. And then yes, yeah, so you can get that. You can get them whenever. But um, yeah, so do they not do free ones? It, it depends, but I would say a lot of students have to go like to the nurse's office and like mm-hmm. see that out. I wouldn't say that they're really like handed out as much as yeah. they should be in health class. Yeah, I, I think we had like, you'd have to go find them or there'd be like a little stall once a month or something. But then again, nice. it, you'd be too embarrassed to go up at that age. Like you, right. everyone would be going to next class and there'd just be this little stand. So everyone yeah. would see you go and pick up this condom or something or a chlamydia test. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't think that helps, especially at that age when it's still all quite funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, the third question is, what age do, do they teach it up to? We kind of covered this. So yeah. Like, so what age is high school? So high school is ninth through 12th grade. So you're like mm-hmm. 14 to 18 years old. About. Okay. And so I'm sure that some schools do the good ones do like sex ed throughout high school. And that ends Mm. at 12th grade. And for me, when I went to college, what you guys call university, when I was Mm -hmm. an undergrad, I had really a really great sex education and sexuality education class, but that was an elective. It wasn't really like part of my core instruction. I had to to be enrolled in that class. So Mm -hmm. technically, I guess you could say that all the way through college or university, but again, really depends on where you are, really depends on the professors, the classes, the Mm -hmm. school and the state that you're in. Because if I were to be in, you know, Alabama compared to California, there are a lot of different norms statewide that exist for sex education. It it really is. And is so particular and there there's not really, that's why I feel like there really does need to be that federal mandate, because if there Mm -hmm. was, it would be really clear that all schools even if, you know, they're, they have a more religious teacher, if they mm-hmm. have someone who's unwilling or unable to provide the right information, like if that federal mandate existed, it would take a couple mm-hmm. years for it to get off the ground, but there would be no discrepancies in uh, yeah. what is being taught in terms of the core information, or there shouldn't be mm-hmm. any discrepancies. Oh, great. Yeah. It's actually, 
I, I hope one day it happens, but I guess the chances are <laughs> maybe one we'll day. See. We'll see. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I think it really depends on who is in office and with Biden in mm. office, it very well may be that he's willing to repeal kind of uh, really harmful mm. laws and things that are in place that prevent people from accessing the reproductive health resources and information that they really need. But mm. it's it's really tough to say. Yeah, so many states to change as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, keep going with the questions. <laughs> What's it like for disabled students? Is it inclusive for disabled students? Um, again, states, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I can kind of answer these questions like what I think generally, and then maybe a little bit more yeah. to my own experience, just because again, it, it really varies. But mm-hmm. I would say that no, it really is not mm-hmm. inclusive of, of disabled students. I had a couple episodes of my podcast and one. Uh, most recently last season season four with a sex educator um, who is this amazing person who is a disabled person Mm -hmm. Um, and they basically shared that growing up they did not get the proper sex education that they needed and Mm -hmm. they had cerebral palsy and they just really didn't have any explanation as to Mm -hmm you know, how to masturbate and how to really uh, get pleasure for themselves and what a relationship could look like and mm. what what it would look like to engage in sexual health with um, an aid, you know, like mm. with an aid helping them by putting the vibrator in their, in their hand or on their person mm. correctly in order for them to engage in sexual health. And so I would say learning from, from them, um, their name is Eva Sweeney, highly recommend looking them up. And yeah. yeah, And so I think overall sex education in the U S is not up to where it should be for disabled people Mm -hmm. because we really infantilize disabled people instead of allowing there to be room for them to have agency and be empowered to learn Mm -hmm. about their bodies and themselves and depending on their disability, whether, whether that's a physical or mental or emotional disability, Mm -hmm. figuring out how to teach inclusive, non-shaming, non-infantilizing sex ed. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was also, I don't remember when I was a kid, if I, I don't think I learned at all about sex and disability. No, neither. And I, I recently did a course which is optional for teachers so only for teachers if they're really interested in giving good sex ed which is sad because it should really be a compulsory one I think but I did that and there was nothing about disabilities and sex which is a real shame and I guess yeah. it's like that one-way penetrative male-female sex <laughs> like we all have it the same which yeah really needs to change mm. totally yeah um, the next question is, where do most Americans get their sex ed from? Is it porn, books or school? I know where we are, it does genuinely fall down to porn, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine it's quite similar. <laughs> yeah, I would I would say that. I would say a lot of people, a lot of kids see pornography before they learn porn literacy, for sure. Mm. And I would also say, though... Planned Parenthood is kind of like a national and international institution that a lot of young people and teenagers know about, have heard the name, like have maybe looked at the website. They're really big on Instagram and social media Mm -hmm. now. So I feel like 
although porn is definitely the number one place that kids Mm -hmm. see sexual images before they understand them, I would say that Planned Parenthood, um, while they have, you know, they're they're not perfect. um, And -hmm. I know that internally, um, I know people who have said like, oh yeah, there's some like toxicity and like kind of like white cis toxicity in culture, like in like executives running Planned Parenthood. But Mm -hmm. in terms of the information and the access that they give for sexual health and reproductive resources for people, I do think they do a phenomenal job and they Mm -hmm. are a a household name. Like most people in America, if they, even if they hate it or think that they're just like a a clinic that's killing babies, if they're against abortion or whatever Uh, it is, like they've mm -hmm. heard of the name. And so I think that that is powerful that most people, most Americans, if you ask them, like they, they'll say like, oh yeah, I've heard of Planned Parenthood. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really good. Is it, but is it like kind of very medical how it's, how they explain stuff or is it quite? I would say it's pretty um, like popular science. And by the I way, know. obviously just to clarify, like abortion is not, you know, this, I know this, but for people <laughs> listening, abortion is not killing babies. Um, yes. and I want to make that very clear because I think that that is what anti-abortionists say, but really yeah. what an abortion is, is getting, uh, you know, extracting a fetus, um, and mm-hmm. that fetus cannot exist in the world, um, at that stage. So I just want to make mm-hmm. it really clear, uh, that that's what that is. But also in terms of the way that Planned Parenthood explains uh, science and information and sex and relationships, I would say that it's really in a way that levels with young people where they're at, whether they're, you know, information or content is from middle schoolers or high schoolers or beyond. Mm -hmm. I think that they do allow for people to really understand in a way that makes it very clear and Mm -hmm. relatable. And I just really like that they are, uh, really intentional about the way that they explain things. Yeah, because I'm trying to think if we have like an equivalent, but really our go-to is the NHS and that, but we go to for that for any medical thing. Mm-hmm. So then that's probably the most well-known. Like there are some great resources like Brooke and um, SH24 and stuff, which is part of NHS. But I feel like when people do Google in the UK or trying to find out um, about STIs, they do end up on the NHS, which obviously has great valid information, but it's very, it reminds me of my sex ed. It's a very like medical this totally. will happen that will happen biological yeah. very yeah. like removed from experience and more uh-huh. of like the body and science yeah that makes a lot of sense mm. yeah definitely not pleasure <laughs> right not pleasure no. yeah and the next question last one actually is why isn't sex ed pleasure based um good question <laughs> great question we have a whole another hour to discuss that yeah. <laughs> but I would, I would say it's because first of all the clitoris was not in medical scientific textbooks until the late 90s that's number yeah, one she's fairly new <laughs> which is like come Sadly. on I'm, yeah exactly <laughs> so I think I think pleasure specifically for people with vulvas and with clitorises mm-hmm. is not focused on because we while the clitoris has existed for centuries um yeah. it it really has not been put at center stage and so when you think about sex ed, bad sex ed, you think about straight sex of a person with a penis, a cis man having sex mm-hmm. with a person with a vagina, a cis woman. That's what we're taught in sex ed. Mm-hmm. When the reality of it is like, there are so many different ways to have sex. There are so many different people who have sex mm-hmm. with different kinds of people. And most cis women and most people with clitorises do not 
I just saw your post today. Yeah. Do not <laughs> orgasm from penetrative mm-hmm. sex. Like most people, 75% roughly of people with clitorises need stimulation of the clitoris in order to mm-hmm. orgasm. So I think that does need to be taught in school mm-hmm. because then young girls and people who grow up with clitorises can know there's nothing wrong mm. with them if they can't orgasm when they're having penetrative sex with a toy, with a penis, with what a hand, whatever. Like mm. it makes a lot of sense to know that and to really connect with it. So mm. I don't know other, I don't know the answer to why other than mm. because of sexism and because yeah. of the fact people- no, no important man wants to invest money in, in, in learning about the clitoris. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so mm. I just think that the more inclusive we can be about pleasure, mm. not just for clitorises, but about anal sex, about outer course, yeah. about kissing, about massage, about different kinds of mm-hmm. intimacy, I think the the better we will equip young people and old people to have the kinds of experiences yeah. that they want to be having. Mm. It's like the, the fact that it's such a new bit of information to everybody that a body part needs this or you need to use this body part to orgasm. Mm-hmm. It's just mind blowing. But even because I learned, because obviously, yes, sex ed was all about penetration and then mm-hmm. porn women seem to be screaming to the high heavens when oh they were being penetrated. Tell me about so it. I was like oh so how's this gonna work like obviously I'd touch myself and then when I was first with someone I was like oh <laughs> was like, not working it's like yeah I was like oh well, I waited for this <laughs> and yeah. then like, even I don't even know how my own body works <laughs> exactly that's, yeah, yeah and, that's a boring and thing. also something interesting to think about is obviously sex toys are marketed towards people 18 plus but mm-hmm. I think the more that we introduce the topic of sex toys even like mm-hmm. late in high school to like 16 17 year olds like they won't be so bewildered and so scared when it comes to them being 18 or them being whatever in college or whenever buying their first sex toy. Because I think that's also a thing where you're like, what? I didn't even know that all these kinds of toys existed. And there's Mm. like the magic wand and there's, you know, a penetrative like toy, but then there's a glass dildo. It's just like, and with lube, like there's just so much information. And I think it's the same kind of thing where like parents who are against it. Although I have an interesting stat about parents um, because according to a recent study um, that was done by sexual health researchers, 93% of US parents do support comprehensive sexual health education in middle school and or in high school. So it's clear that a lot of people like to blame it. Oh, it's the parents' fault. They're not teaching that Mm -hmm. at home. But the reality is, is that parents support it. They just want it to be happening in school. And I'm of the mind that it should be happening at all places, at home with your parents, in school, with your friends, because the more you can normalize it, the the more likely it is that it'll be successful. And so when it comes to sex toys, the same kind of thing, there's this kind of idea of like, oh, if you teach kids sex earlier then they're going to have it which the reality is is like no they're going to have it anyway and then they'll have it safely when they learn about sex early Mm. and it's the same thing I feel with sex toys it's like if you introduce what the concept of what a sex toy is and show pictures and share about lube when Mm. you know it's appropriate at 16 or 17 years old before you're going to graduate high school that is more than appropriate in my mind it's the same thing for porn literacy if you're gonna talk about porn and be able to share like what's harmful about it and what is good about it and what, mm. you know, all the intricacies of it, then you're more likely to be successful later on in your sex life. And also when these things aren't a taboo, you're like, when they are a taboo, you're more likely to go and do it. Yeah. But dangerously. And probably if you talk about it openly, they'll be like, oh, well, I'm, 
I'll probably do it but it's not that big of a deal yeah right yeah Mm -hmm. and like the exactly like and again the same thing though of of being like yeah you know here are the risks of having sex Mm -hmm. and here are the rewards and putting you know no judgment on any of it just like Mm -hmm. giving information and being like you're it's your body and it's really your choice and um you have the power to like do what you will with this information it's very much just these are the risks not they're also exactly (laughs) oh dear but yeah i was gonna say something that's come out my head oh it's lost it might come back it's okay yeah but yeah that was actually the last question um amazing yeah do you have any quick fire fact stats you want to throw at me before I let you go uh, n- nothing else I mean I have mm. yeah I have some spots where people can uh can find us if you, if you mm. Ooh, want yeah. me to yeah, yeah. Let the listeners know they can find you cool so we're you know on all the social media sites on Instagram <laughs> we're at sex ed with db podcast on TikTok and Twitter we're at sex ed with db and on Facebook we're at okay. ed with db uh, you can check out our website at sexedwithdb.com and you all can listen to my podcast, Sex Ed with DB on Spotify, mm. iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Amazing. You're everywhere, which is great. <laughs> like an STI. <laughs> a manageable STI. STI. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, I just referred to you as an STI. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm not offended. We shouldn't be normalizing them. 20 yeah. million new cases of STIs every year in the US. Mm-hmm. I think it should be uh, it should be normalized. Yes, yes. For sure, for sure. Wow, thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. Of course. Thank yeah. you so much for inviting me. I had a blast. Okay, right. Everybody, until next time. Bye. <laughs>